What's up, queens? It's your host, Ro. Do you like female dating strategy? Would you like to see us expand on a lot of different platforms? Then please sign up for our Patreon. We are currently targeting a $10,000 per month goal, which would allow us to work full time on female dating strategy content in order to expand on different platforms and upgrade our media presence. As a special thank you to our current Patreon subscribers, we will be increasing our upload rate for our bonus content to be weekly on Fridays, as well as offering a special discount for paid annual memberships so please check out our patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy that's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy thank you let's start the show all right time for another edition of roast to on the female dating strategy podcast this week's roast comes from heather and she starts hi queens Ro, lilith and savannah hey 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 right back here's my roast to this scrote deserves to be flame broiled, charred, and fully blackened, cremated even, <laughs> turned to ashes and thrown into the ocean to strengthen fish's bones. <laughs> he gets deserves to get turned into fish food. <laughs> she she honestly wins like like the roast of the week. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Uh, this is the scrote who was so awful he caused me to find FDS. We will call him Evan. I met him at a choir pre-COVID. At the time, I thought he was attractive, but now I realize some of the things I was attracted to, such as his dirty, casual way of dressing, were low-value male red flags, and I have since raised my standards. Work. Anyway, he immediately made an effort to put himself in my way, and we got involved and started dating pretty quickly. I thought that because I met him at a very nice church where we were singing together, he was probably a good person. Wrong. Let me tell you about church scrotes. This is actually going to be a little bit of a tangent. I want to hear your roast about church scrotes. Yeah. Uh, I literally had a guy say to me that he was going to church so he could pick up on some Jesus hoes. Whoa. What? I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, don't assume all the guys that are there uh, are there for good intention. Sometimes those guys are there because they know there's a lot of girls out there they think are like, yeah, especially youth group. They think, oh, this is where all the like young girls are and I can go over there and try to talk to him. So anyways, I digress. Uh, The rest of the paragraph. At the beginning of our relationship, we went on a walk around my neighborhood and sat down by a pond to watch some ducks. He insisted on making a confession that he had nudes on his phone, but he has since deleted them. He wanted to tell me for the sake of honesty. I thought that was weird, but all right, I guess. I know people can change if they really want to. It's possible, but not likely. Spoiler alert, he never deleted them. And he even continued the inappropriate conversations for the entire duration of our relationship. I asked him to cancel his OnlyFans and to unfollow and block the naked Instagram girls who would desperately message him asking for money in exchange for nudes because they were, quote unquote, about to be homeless. Wow. Dang, it's really rough out there like that. Oh, it's so empowering. Join an OnlyFans. You'll about to be home. I didn't know that was a marketing tool. They're like, they're messaging guys being like, if you don't send me $5, I'm going to be homeless. Oh my God. That's sad. That's so fucked up. So, so fucked up. Uh, okay. Uh, tragedy. So uh, she says, he lied to me and said he did, but he didn't. He even once pulled up a porn video of very violent fisting where the woman was clearly in immense pain and said that's what he wanted to do to me. I was revolted. <gasps> Rightfully so, right? I don't understand the concept of fisting. It's literally just like violence against women. The man doesn't get anything except just enjoying the woman's pain and the woman doesn't get anything either. Like, 
She's not orgasming from fisting, okay? Yeah, it seems very bizarre. And it's one of those things that I I don't um, understand. It's never it's never thought to me that it would feel better than a penis, but I don't know. Yeah, I'd never tried it, but I assume it would be bad. <laughs> uh, okay. He never asked me on dates. Red flag. Uh, we just started hanging out at our houses together. I am not exaggerating when I say that he lived in a frat boy halfway house. Five guys in their mid to late 20s renting a five-bedroom house. Believe me when I say it was horrifyingly dirty. (laughs) Cat pee and hair everywhere. They did their dishes by hand, but they, quote, didn't believe in soap. So the dishes were greasy. What? Wait, they don't believe soap exists? or (laughs) I don't believe in soap. What? I don't believe in showering. I don't believe in brushing my teeth. Oh, my God. They couldn't have sprung for a dishwasher. They have portable ones. They have tabletop dishwashers. They have standing dishwashers. This is just five of them in there, and they couldn't have... Okay. Uh, Several millimeters of dust build up on the baseboards. Orange streaks down the walls of the bathroom. Ew. Mildew and pink bacteria in the bathtub. Uh, Okay. This is literally making me sick. Revolting. Uh, had to beg Evan to put a trash can in the bathroom and to buy toilet paper because there was none to be found the first time I came over. See, walk out. Wait, there's no toilet paper? Do they just take a shit and then walk away? And they just, like, leave their shitty asshole? Like, probably. This is what we're talking about when we say that guys don't wash their ass. Guys can go, like, a day or two without having toilet paper. That is an impossibility for women. So I've learned if they cannot stock their toilet paper regularly, like, leave. Don't stay at a house where a man is not courteous courteous enough to know that women need two things, one toilet paper and two, a trash bin in case we're on our period and we need to dispose of our period products. If they have not figured that out or they give you a hard time about it, walk, leave. They're just It's just mad stupid. Like anybody who understands anything about women should have those things in their house before they invite their own. Like if you have to argue with him about that, that is so stupid. What? <laughs> she even writes there, I guess none of them wiped their asses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh uh, gosh. Walking biohazard. Here's where she messed up. Because she, she writes here, constantly clogged sink and tub drains. I can't believe I even bought Drano for them one time cringe don't do wifey shit for scrotes yeah 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 girl (laughs) i we've all been sucked into that because i've had that too where there's a guy where you're like you are so hopeless that i feel like i should clean for you because i feel bad that you live like this but don't yes fight that instinct just leave be like this is not good enough for me make them feel bad and walk out (laughs) yeah don't do it sis don't do it that's actually one of those things like for me that's always been a deal breaker even when i was a pick me i think it's just because like because my parents were like low-key kind of like hoarders and so i got like traumatized by that and so i just that's always one of been one of those things if i go to a guy's place and it's messy like i've had guys call me like oh you're such a hypochondriac you're such a germaphobe i don't care i own that i'm a germaphobe i'm a hypochondriac okay like uh if a guy can't wipe his ass or if a guy doesn't have a trash bag or has pink mildew in his bathroom no so the guys i've dated have always been very clean just because just process of elimination so Mm -hmm. yeah but Mm -hmm. uh next paragraph there was copious cannabis use as well as cocaine lsd and mushrooms They would offer, but I always declined, except for one time I agreed to try a pot brownie. 
Well, Evan did not take dosage into consideration, so he let me eat a full-size brownie. I did not know this was a bad idea, having never eaten weed before, so I had a massive dose and my tolerance was zero. I did the math afterward, and it was over 150 milligrams of THC. No. That is so not okay for someone with zero tolerance. I was high for four whole days. (laughs) I was high for four whole days. I missed work. I could have lost my job. Evan thought it was funny. I was livid. I was livid. <laughs> the introduction makes sense why she wants to turn him into fish food. This guy sounds like an absolute walking biohazard disaster of a human being. Yeah, he needs to be cremated, like, alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, on a, on a serious note, though, like, say she had, um, cause, because... Um, it's happened to me or someone I know, but Sage had an underlying heart condition that could have literally killed her. And he, and he found it funny. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like thoughts on, on weed. I know a lot of our subscribers think that like weed is like low value and stuff. And so I think for most guys, for guys, almost always it is. Yeah. If a guy smokes weed, he's almost always low value. Doesn't affect their sperm count too. So that's another thing. If you don't, if you want a guy and you think he's going to be the one you want to have babies with, I think you want to be concerned about a sperm count. Yeah, so it's it's fucking hard in where I'm from to find a guy who doesn't smoke weed. It's like so part of our culture. I don't know. Like, mm, that's interesting. I think another consideration is though the amount they spend on it. Um, I'm not a massive. I don't have an opinion on weed either way because I didn't grow up around it, so I'm not into it but it's more like when you see stories of you know women saying oh he doesn't give me money or he doesn't pay for like you know diapers or whatever but he's spending all his money on weed that's another thing to consider as well yeah that's negative value shit there (laughs) yeah exactly so i think yeah that's something to consider as well how he's how he's spending his money yeah like if a guy has smoked weed like once or maybe a handful of times and just isn't super into it like that's fine but a guy who's a consistent pot user mm -mm, no deal breaker um, and we continue. I visited, I visited his family on the East Coast for Christmas in 2020. The oldest sister owns a three-story house and she rents out the bottom two floors as Airbnbs. Evan and I were supposed to have an entire floor to ourselves, but the mom fucked up and rented it out. So we had to stay in the attic of the top floor with the family for a whole week. Whew. His mom and sisters were misogynistic pikmishas who ate me alive. I mean, I'm guessing based on their son, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that should be no surprise. Um, I brought them presents as tokens of goodwill, but they snatched them out of my hands on Christmas and never even said thank you. His sister is a racist and religious bigot, and she married a man of the race and religion she hates. So she was deeply unhappy and took her out her marriage-related anger on me. Okay, this woman's stuck on stupid then. I feel like if you're racist, like, just embrace that with your whole heart. Like, don't force yourself to marry someone of a different culture and, like, make them and your children miserable. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah, there's a lot of guys who are racist who will marry or date a woman of color and, like, weirdly, like, hate fuck them. Because they fetishize them. Like, you don't have to like something that you fetishize. You just, you just get to fetishize it. Um, she mocked me and made fun of me for my nose and face for the way I talked and for getting an education and traveling. Oh, so she's one of those. Like she's, she's, she didn't do anything. So she's just really mad at life. She's one of those peaked in high school, like didn't get to do anything with her life. And so she's mad at any woman who's like, has a better life than her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I know I'm attractive. So I think she was just deeply jealous of me. Evan's mom made fun of me for my religious beliefs later in the trip. 
I came down with an excruciatingly painful UTI from his dirty dick, and I had to escape the house to see a doctor in a state I was not familiar with at all. Because I had to see the doctor, I missed breakfast, and Eva would not let me eat until later when everyone else ate dinner. The sister didn't feel like eating lunch, so I was denied food as well, even though I was sick and needed to eat with antibiotics. Wow. And it was his fault she got it. It's actually quite like wild how um, like, like so many women um, end up getting UTIs and like the fishy smell because of the man's dirty dick. <laughs> it's just sheer projection. <laughs> so the line about her not being allowed to eat until dinner... That gave me like PTSD flashbacks because there was this one time I was uh, I was dating a guy and he lived in a different city than me. So I went and stayed with his family and his mom was like, <sighs> his mom was just one of those like people who just, I don't know, like she wouldn't, she would like bully me if I like ate outside of like the scheduled meal times and stuff. And so, yeah, I had a moment like that where I missed breakfast and she was one of these like really proud of her eating disorder type of women and would like get mad at women who didn't have eating disorders or something. And yeah, it wouldn't let me eat until dinner. And then like the dinner would be like a bowl of soup. That's like 200 calories or something. It's like basically feeding me like starvation diet when I was staying with their family. Right. And then like called me a fatty whenever I went out to go to a restaurant to like buy more food. So yeah, fuck those kinds of families. They deserve to burn in hell. (laughs) And we turned into fish food. Wow. The worst part is Evan told me both sides are guilty because I didn't suck it up and put on a face to impress his family when I was sick in bed from something he caused. Fuck that. Also, the cat fell off the third story balcony during the trip. The cat, the cat handled the fall okay and was fine. I love animals and would never do that because I am not violent. I felt horrible until Evan blamed it on me and made up a story that I kicked the cat off the balcony when I didn't. We fought for months after this trip. What? So he told his family you kicked the cat? You were with him for months after this trip? For months. The plural. Yeah, girl. Months? <laughs> it's okay. We're not, no judgment zone. But yeah. Like, this is, oh, man. Um, so here's, here's where we get to the Reddit portion. A few months later, I found a post on his Reddit saying how he was still in love with his ex-girlfriend named Julia, who he dated when he was 13. He idealized their open, honest, easy communication. She is now married to another man. I was sick to my stomach. I looked at his phone and found a text that he sent to his family that said, I know who I want to marry, and it's not my current girlfriend. <laughs> it's Julia. I hope she and her husband don't work out, and I will get back together with her. I confronted him about it and he turned it so that it was my fault and I was a I was the terrible person for looking at his phone. He was just mad he got caught. Yeah, yeah, you think? Yeah, he was mad. <laughs> you got caught. First of all, ladies, why do you confront guys like this? Just yeah. like, like what Ghost. like like when you confront a guy with his cheating or with anything like that, you're just giving him an opportunity to lie to you and manipulate you and gaslight you and stuff. Just save yourself the mental trouble and walk away. If a guy says he doesn't want to marry you, he wants to marry his girlfriend. He's just waiting around for her to divorce her husband so that he can get in on that. You're just like a placeholder and you got to move on, sis. Like there's nothing you can say that will like, what do you want? Like, what are you expecting? Like for him to say some magical combination of words to like, you know, relieve your concerns so that you don't have to break up with him. Like if he <sighs> met her when she was 13, it's likely that he hasn't matured past that phase because it, like, everything about him sounds like he never 
made it out of junior high. He is 13. He has a, has a brain of a 13-year-old. Yeah, he's 13 mentally, emotionally, everything. He's probably idealizing the relationship because, yeah, 13, do you have very high expectations of the boys in your class? Not really. But now uh, he's a grown man and he needs to act like a grown man. And, he, you know, every woman probably other than her has been holding him to grown man standards that he can't live up to. So um, he's idealizing this past child a relationship he had when he was a child. Come on. Anyways, uh, happy ending here. Uh, I dumped him when I found FDS. Woo! Yay! When I, started Woo! To, <laughs> when I started to really believe that I am the prize and I am worth much more than this garbage scrote and his garbage treatment of me. Yes, queen. Amen. He friended all my family on Facebook and my mom is such a pick me boy mom from hell that she had a whole ass conversation with him and gave him my personal information like my work schedule. Oh, mom. No, mom. Why? Ugh. She says she has a, I have a no contact order in place now. So it must have got serious then. Damn. Um, yeah. This reminds me of Dirty John, the grandmother. I'm obsessed. I just watched the whole podcast show everything. I'm obsessed with Dirty John's story. We need to have an episode about this because it, fucking validates everything in FDS. The grandmother was also this sort of person or the mother was saying, um, was also one of these like pick me boy moms where her daughter would come to her talking about her relationship problems. And she'd be like, Oh, you got to forgive him and blah, 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 blah. And like, guess what? This one of her daughters got shot by her husband because of that. The end of it is she's just saying, thank you to FDS for helping me understand. I am worth so much more and even potentially saving my life. So yes, you're right. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So yeah. Um, I really hope all that pink bacteria in his bathtub, uh, eats him alive when he falls asleep next time. Yeah, I hope he gets a fucking fungal infection or some shit from that. I hope he chokes on one of his shitty weed brownies. <laughs> one of his way too high of a dose shitty weed brownies. Like 150 milligrams of THC. That's like, that's like, it's like 10 doses. That's like so much. Like, <laughs> I hope his dirty dick swells up and falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope Julia, I hope Julia, uh, I hope next time he tries to reach out to Julia, her, her husband drives over to his house and punches him dead in the face. Yes. Oh my God. Julia's husband. Give some justice here. Fuck yeah. Yes. I hope he gets a fucking infection from all the smegma crusting under his fucking foreskin, probably, that he has. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, that's our roast discrote. If you would like to submit your own roast discrote, please support our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And you can submit a roast discrote, a queen shit, or a nasus, and we will discuss it here on the pod. Thank you. What's up, queens? Welcome to the female dating strategy podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And I'm Savannah. And this is Lilith. Today, we're going to be talking about what kinds of things to look out for before you meet a guy for a first date. Because as things start opening up again, there's going to be a lot of desperate men like looking for a woman to devour. And you need to make sure that your vetting game is on point to filter them out. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of thirsty guys walking around out there. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but since things have started to open back up, I swear the thirst out here is real. Like, cause I'm, I'm out here looking like a bum. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. It's almost like I haven't practiced dressing for, you know, a year or so. And so like, I haven't been dressing up really anything special. 
And I swear I'm still getting a lot of attention I think I wasn't expecting. (laughs) Yeah. It looks like they're trying to almost like force interactions with people because maybe they've been inside for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much live in athleisure. And so I look pretty cash at leisure. So even I if I'm that. going to the grocery store, I look like I'm on my way or coming back from the gym, like at all times when I'm not working pretty much. Um, but yeah, like guys have gotten really, really uh, bold. I haven't been, uh, I haven't had this much street harassment since I was like 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you you need to strategize um, because it's going to be the same guys that are harassing, you know, random like women on the street like Lilith. They're going to be the same guys trying to slide into your DM. So you need to find a way to weed these people out. And I would say uh, probably the first rule of vetting is that understand that it will take a long time. It's not, I mean, we've touched on this before in previous episodes, but it's worth re-emphasizing because I think some women get sort of, um, you know, freaked out at the prospect of, you know, do I have to bet for the rest of my life? And it's like, well, to some degree, yes. Um, like betting is always an ongoing process. That's not to say that you you still can't enjoy the relationship when you know after you've you know you've ascertained that um, he's you know high value and you know you're into it. But there needs to be an ongoing betting process um, because you need to be able to um, to acknowledge red flags when they come up and to act on it as well. And the the second part is where it, I think, in my experience, um, it's a lot more difficult to do. So women can verbalise the red flags. They can say, for example, he's taken ages to text me back, or he's really um, he's being quite intense in how um in in you know trying to talk about sex for example but then the action sort of you know falls through a bit they tend it's easy to become quite passive and not doing and not to do anything about it so that's the reason why vetting should be an ongoing process and essentially just like anything um you know vetting or your vetting muscle like so to speak the more you do it the easier it gets um and that's something that i've learned during lockdown as well like the more um you um that the more practice you get at like cutting men off at the first red flag or or picking up on their their tells, so to speak, which we'll go into in this episode, it gets a lot easier. And here endeth the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we implement this? We had to take the process one step at a time. So how do we start vetting from like the moment you meet the guy? And then are there differences? you know, meeting a guy offline in your life versus meeting a guy online. So first steps when you meet a guy. Does he immediately send you a dick pic? Swipe left. No, I'm kidding. Unmatch. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the worst messages, which is an instant ignore is just a hi or just a hello. Instant ignore. Yeah. Like, like what do you expect me to do with that? Yeah, no, when a guy sends out one word messages it's a sign that he's probably messaging multiple women and that's like a a pattern of behavior that you don't want that's not relationship material let's just say they're just casting a wide net trying to find and hoping someone bites (laughs) yeah 
yeah, casting out the the a wide net, hoping someone bites. And you know, as we discussed in our Cornelia episode, like low investment means low reward. And so he's just looking for a woman who has extremely low. I'm 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 just wondering, like, do women actually reply to these? What kind of woman just sees a high and is like, oh my god, a guy texted me, like. You know, like, uh, does this actually work? But see, if he's cute, if he's actually cute, I'll just write back hi and then let him do the rest of the conversation. All right. I acknowledge your presence. It's up to you to do more of the heavy lifting. But generally, yeah, I definitely I think you're right. It's like low effort from the beginning, low effort all the way through. But I will say I don't on the flip side, I don't like when guys write paragraphs because there's some guys that really and I almost feel bad because you can just tell they must not get a lot of matches. So they just really, really pitch themselves hard from the beginning. And I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it it is like a turnoff, you know, because I'm already like, oh, this is like emotional labor I have to do. The best messages I've gotten from guys online are usually in the form of a question about something on my bio. Um, yeah. And those those at least show that they've read your bio. It's like a couple of lines, so it's not paragraphs, right? Um, but yeah, so if a guy messages you something like brief but shows that he read your bio, that's generally a promising sign. Yeah, and on the paragraphs note as well, don't get it twisted. These men can... They literally, they literally copy and paste yeah. like paragraphs to different women as well. So it's almost the same. It's 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 the same. It's a different side of the same coin of the the one word messages saying hello. The paragraph messages can also be a cut and paste job, and you'll know because because they won't they won't reference it pretty much anything that you've said it will just be very it will just be like a stock email that you get when you get rejected from a job sort of thing. It feels like I'm reading a flyer. Like someone just handed me a flyer to read. Yeah. I'm not reading yeah. this shit. Like this is way too much. Hey, I'm Josh and I'm looking for my soulmate. <laughs> blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And there's too many exclamation marks. Yeah. <laughs> and too much flowery language. So just make sure that, you know, any message is actually personalized to you. I think what I used to do actually on online dating was I would used to, you know, write about myself, write paragraphs. And then somewhere in the text, I would say, so, you know, when you message me, include this, um, like, code word. It would be like a random word, like, you know, for example, you know, like the Martian or banana or something like that. And out of the messages I would get, maybe two men would have included the word. And the ones who didn't include the word, that indicated to me that they had not read my profile. So that was an instant block and delete. Mm -hmm. So that was a good strategy as well. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the, like, tell me the code word thing. Because I used to do, um, I want (laughs) to... I don't know if I want to tell this story, but there are times where, you know, sometimes you're looking at someone's profile for something not dating related, but they'll be like, oh, to prove me you've uh, read my profile, you know, have this code word and so on. And I don't know. I, I feel like there's a like what I like to do personally is I'll have um, I'll say something like, oh, when you send me a message, tell me your favorite this or that or, you know tell me about something that you did yeah. recently like that like i'll, I'll yeah, ask them that, to yeah i'll, I'll solicit yeah, a sp- a and, and that's actually good because that gives a guy a, an opening to you know you're saying like oh tell me about you know a recent project that you're proud of or something like that right and then that gives that's a, a conversation yeah. starter 
And then if he doesn't take it, then yeah, he's really hopeless. So yeah. Anyways. Because <laughs> you've given him the help. <laughs> yeah, if you've helped him out by offering a conversation starter and he doesn't do that, then yeah, he's beyond help. So swipe left. Forget it. <laughs> it's like throwing someone, if someone's drowning, you throw them a life ring and they just like go, <laughs> nah, I'd rather drown. <laughs> So yeah, we've covered the online side. How about, do you guys have any tips for in-person meeting? So when I meet guys in person, it's it's also, because you don't know anything about them, right? Unless they're a person that you know connected from a friend or from work, you almost have to like do all the basics of like, what do you do? Where are you from? Talk about their family, try to figure out their life circumstance. Now, um, this hasn't been as common as I feel like I've, started to weed my circle very (laughs) my circle a lot smaller but I remember distinctly especially when I was really young when I would ask guys what they do some of them would just be like well I get money or like (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a hustler I hustle I'm an entrepreneur (laughs) yeah I'm an entrepreneur so I feel like then I would be looking for tells for men he's a drug dealer (laughs) yeah I was looking for tells that men for men who have no fucking job yeah (laughs) that's the first thing you got to do when you meet a guy and you don't know anything about him uh is try to ascertain what he's doing with his life right you know especially (laughs) if you're both out of school when i was young when i was in school and i was like you know in my early my teens and early 20s i would just meet all types of guys and then you really had to do the legwork there to figure out who actually has a job who's actually in school Who's actually just like a, a street pharmacist, if you will, <laughs> or street pharmacist? <laughs> street pharmacist. <laughs> yeah, or who's like a a fake? Uh, what's that? What's that like fake entrepreneur? There's a name for it. Like, like the Kyles with the MLM, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Kyle's of the multi-level. Who's got a multi-level marketing scheme? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least when women do MLMs, they'll sell like makeup or leggings. When men do MLMs, they'll sell like shitty like thinkfluencer nonsense, yeah. like forex like, <laughs> trading. Yeah, they're like, join my you know MLM for talking about like men's self improvement, and we can complain about women. That's pretty much what all men's self improvement involves. But anyways. If he says he's a dating coach, run. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yes, run, run. You send Bolt out of there. Another one is guys who are dog trainers, but like not actual dog trainers. Like, how do I explain this? Like, I met a guy who had a TikTok where he talks, where he teaches his dogs to do a, like Schutzhund, which is uh, like attacking on command, but he's not a professional dog trainer. He just wants a dog that can eat people's face off. I'm like, that's fucking, you're a lunatic. You're a psycho. <laughs> Never talk to him again after that. Anyways, that was very specific, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so after that conversation, you usually have to go Google them and see if you can find them on LinkedIn or something like that. Because, I mean, there's guys that have told me they were executives. They are not executives. <laughs> CEO of my mom's basement. <laughs> I've, I've seen guys say, like, I'm self-employed. I find out what they do. They play games on Twitch. Now, you can earn a lot of money on Twitch, but it's a, it's a bit like OnlyFans, really, the top like one percent and i don't think you'd be working part-time in a gro- in in a grocery store if you were earning decent money on twitch but anyway continue sorry that was just my anecdote yeah twitch is just only fans for men <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah yeah <laughs> 
You know, that's not wrong. I used to go on the subreddit. Yeah. Twitch is just only fans for men. Twitch is only fans. <laughs> so that needs to go on the subreddit somewhere. That's brilliant. <laughs> like just low, low effort voyeurism. <laughs> yeah, low effort voyeurism. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So with that, I mean, and this is one of those times where we are going to be accused of being shallow, but you know, see if his overall presentation matches matches the lifestyle he's trying to pretend he lives yes there are some guys who are very wealthy that dress like bums or whatever but generally by that point they but also watch out for guys that like dress expensively but are actually broke like all of their money they spend on like versace suits but they actually have like zero dollars in their bank account (laughs) guys who are like fake rich or like pretend to be more than what they actually are it really depends on like the culture you live into because there's some places in the country where yes everything's very buttoned up people wear like fancy suits to work and there's other places where especially like where there's a lot of tech startups where the casual look is more in for guys in that kind of arena so there's a lot of guys faking it you know who are trying to say oh i run a startup or i do this or i do that um there's nothing wrong with that i'm not you know i'm not knocking being an entrepreneur um, but it just means that you have to be a little bit more um disciplined yeah a little bit more disciplined a little bit more curious about like okay what exactly is your startup you know it's one thing to say okay i'm creating a product or service that's actually useful to people you know or even media even if you're like a blogger or something that's building or content creator online or something like that content create yeah creating creating some kind of value for people is fine but yeah but like we said there's also guys that just have multi uh, level marketing schemes and then you gotta watch out for those because those guys in order to be sort of successful, like you really have to not give a fuck about people. And some of those guys do a lot of shady tactics, like targeting the elderly. And, you know, you really got to kind of figure out where his, his personal morality lies and then figuring out his actual ability to execute a business plan. Yeah. Because having an ability to execute a business plan is absolutely a high value trait. It's a it indicates, you know, self-discipline and a work ethic. And those are all good qualities. But there's a lot of guys out there who are pretending to have those qualities so that they can get the, you know, perceived social benefits that are associated with that when they haven't actually done the work. Yes. Yeah, so if, you're, if you're dating in that kind of pool, that's what you look for. If you're dating more like working class guys, I feel like working guys, working class guys tend to wear their professionals like a badge of honor. Yeah. So it's a little bit more straightforward with them. Um, because, you know, either they have like the equipment or not, right? Like I, I was seeing a firefighter for a little bit and like, you know, he had pictures in his fire equipment. I doubt he went anywhere to like rent this very expensive fireman equipment, like to pretend to be a fireman. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I, I date working class guys, even though I have like a bachelor's degree, I actually very much like dating guys who are like tradespeople, you know, like carpenters, pipe fitters, plumbers, that kind of, that's my niche. That's my dating type. Right. Um, and I, I actually quite, I've had really good positive experiences with them. Then the, here's the thing, like they do make good money, like pipe fitters up North make like easily six figures and they're 21. So, you know, um, it's not about my, <sighs> It's about money, but it's not about money. But also that sort of man often like takes pride in 
you know, taking a woman out, doing nice things for her, being chivalrous and so on, at least in my personal experience. I'm not saying every working class guy is an angel, but you know, if you do your vetting right, then you can find some hidden gems. <laughs> because yeah, because they have money. And like, also, especially if these guys grew up working class, they may or may not have grown up with money. So when they get money they're I feel like in some respects, they're more likely to want to be generous or share the wealth versus yeah. the aforementioned uh, white collar startup guys. They're so cheap because they're like, well, I have to put money in my business. And like, you know, they they might be living on a fixed income because they're trying to pour all their money into their business if they actually have it. And then that's actually sometimes a shittier experience like, i need to save every last penny to you know spend on bitcoin or whatever right like yeah they're gonna nickel and dime everything and so i feel like at that point you really gotta decide okay do i believe in this guy's quote-unquote dream enough to want to keep investing in this date i would almost say like no off top yeah <laughs> like let him get his life together because a lot because yeah we talk about this all the time about if he does become successful a lot of times that's when guys want to upgrade with women anyways or like perceived upgrade with women they want to change the type of woman they date so a lot of times when you see when you're around these guys that are struggling or they're in the trenches you know it, it's it's a startup right like it could bust or it could go wildly successful but the question is, is as an if you were talking about a monetary investment then you'd almost have a much more uh tangible guarantee on a return on your investment but as a romantic investment even if he does get successful it's likely he'll want to capitalize on that success in his romantic life and then ditch you anyways yeah you know unless he's like super marriage-minded which is really hard which you know which i doubt for a guy who's not stable then i i would probably skip it yeah i'd say definitely proceed with caution with these like entrepreneur startup guys or especially a guy who's just starting a business because I've read way too many stories of women where they start dating a guy and he basically treats her like free labor. Like I read, I remember reading this one story on Reddit where a guy had like a catering business and he had his girlfriend working like 60 hour work weeks for free to start his, wow. to invest in his catering business. And like, he was being kind of like a dickhead to her and, you know, not appreciating her in the relationship, literally just like she was just slave labor. And so that's why I say like, be very, very careful with guys who are starting a business, one set boundaries about what type, you know, you're not going to work for them for their business, especially not for free. Uh, if they want to pay you, that's, that's another matter that you can consider. But, um, and the other thing is guys with these sorts of guys, if you invest emotionally or labor wise in his business early, as Rose said, like, once, if he does become successful, he's just going to probably dump you and un- upgrade you and upgrade uh, for someone he, you know, can get more social social clout by dating, right? Um, yeah, or, or date a woman that other men will be like, oh my gosh, like she's total arm candy kind of thing, you know? He wants a trophy, he, like he'll want a trophy wife to kind of signify that success. Yeah. And he will think, here's the thing, when you, when you get with a guy, when he's struggling, he will think that you're a loser for being with him yeah, when he was honestly. a loser. So when he does eventually become successful, like nine times out of 10, he will look down on you for being with him when he was broke. And that's just the saddest thing about that. That's, that, that is one of those things where women really, really, really get led astray, where the overall cultural message is that like, oh, if you invest in a guy when he's struggling, then you guys can experience success together. But that is just not how men work, right? Yeah. And they complain. What, what kills me is like, if, if you ever watch these other comedians like Bill Burr and stuff, 
they continuously complain about gold diggers and how women only show up to the finish line when men are already successful. It's because of bullshit like this. It's because there's no benefit to the struggle because there's no guarantee and almost like an anti-guarantee that if you struggle with a man, that he'll actually be there to support you still when you're doing well. That's actually more or less the exception rather than the rule. And, and it's and it's so common. There's names for it, right? Like the starter wife, right? Yeah. The idea that you're with a woman when you're when you're broke and then you become successful and you divorce her and you upgrade to like a woman. Or I, don't, I, mean, I don't even like the word upgrade, but like you, you, uh, you start dating a woman you wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to get when you were broke, a.k.a. a gold digger. Yeah. Yeah. Guys love complaining about gold diggers. They love complaining about how women wait at the finish line and only want guys who are already successful. And I'm like, bitch, you brought that upon yourself. Okay. Guys aren't mad at gold diggers. They're just mad they can't afford one. Exactly. So I don't blame, I mean, we don't really particularly do like the hypergamy gold digging content, but it's not like we blame them. It makes total sense. And just to, and just to circle back to, um, um, to Lilith's point about working for a man's business i think a high value man would recognize your contributions and he would acknowledge that either in the form of salary or or equity which would be even better in the business he wouldn't just allow you to work for free for free on something that like on something that you don't benefit from because a lot of these women they're working for free being social media manager being admin assistant and they don't even have equity in the business so he can literally up sticks and leave and you're left with literally nothing and in the meantime whilst you're slaving away on his business you're neglecting your own you know career or passions to support him it's just if you are going to go down that route, you need to play it smart and make sure that you're well compensated for your efforts is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys are usually like penny pinching guys too. Like they're like, Oh, I need to save every last penny for investing in my business and so on. So yeah, it's not going to be a fun time. It's not going to be fun. Like that that's the thing. Like dating should be fun for you as a woman. Yeah. And so that's why I generally avoid these types of guys. Like if I want to date a guy my own age, that's why I find young guys who do trades to be like the perfect the perfect niche and they're generally pretty gentlemanly too not always but most of the time (laughs) (laughs) um so shifting on a bit so we we now move on to initial interaction so i'm gonna assume that in the early stages that the bulk of people's interactions whether you meet them online or in person is gonna be over over text or instant messaging and i actually find that these that this is a very very good way to vet somebody um a lot of the um and you know my experiences the way a guy comes across in text messages can actually be very revealing and it's not only just about what they do say it's also what they don't say as well so does he is he for example I mean, for example, does he only text you after 10 p.m.? Um, if that's the case, it's highly likely he doesn't take you very seriously and you're probably the side chick or the side piece. Um, because, I mean, texting after 10 p.m., he's not going to be asking you about your day. He's going to be after one thing, which is probably nudes. I don't under See, I've never understood that because I'm, I'm asleep after that. Maybe I'm like an old lady who just has a, a bedtime, but... Like, if he texts me after 10 o'clock, I'm not going to read it until the next morning. <laughs> yeah, my phone, like, I have the uh, the setting where it puts everything on silent after 9 p.m. Yeah, same. So, same, yeah. good luck trying to reach me after that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking at my phone. It literally doesn't go through. 
Yeah, so is he also timely with his um, responses? Now, I think on the subreddit a few weeks ago, there was a discussion about what is a good text and frequency. Personally, I I wouldn't want to text with a guy all day. I've done that before and it breeds, um, as we've spoken about before, it breeds false intimacy and it's a massive waste of your time as well. If you, you know, high value women have, you know, shit to do, not be texting all day. But when I say timely, I mean you know, within a couple of hours, if he's taking days to respond, so you text on a Monday, he's not, and he responds on a Thursday, yeah, cut him off. That's a red flag. He should be, I'm not saying you should respond instantly because I would expect him to be busy as well, but it should be timely because, and, and, you know, women shouldn't buy into the excuse that he's bad with texting or he's really busy. Bullshit. He's not the president. Like it's complete bullshit. Like if a if a guy wants to to make contact with you, he always will, no matter how busy he is. He always will. I mean, he had time to make a profile and check his profile on Tinder or OkCupid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where if you're not interested in actually dating someone and you actually talk enough to exchange numbers, you know, the clock is ticking as far as that. Like he's gotta know that once he has your number like you're not going to remember him a month down the line he's like hey it's me from tinder like who the fuck you know like you might have met like five more guys after that yeah that's actually literally happened to me where i'll literally like a guy will text me after i've deleted his number and i'm literally like i have no i don't respond but he'll be like hey like acting all familiar i'm literally like i have no idea who you are literally none but anyway that's an aside but people try to say, especially on some of the dating subreddits, and this is where the gaslighting comes in, that texting is an in- indicative of his interest. And for me, I don't think that's true. I've, I've often found that when the texting frequency changes, as in he goes from responding in a couple of hours to, to maybe 24 or even 48 hours, that's when the, the relationship or the entanglement is in its death throes. Like it doesn't recover after that if he's if he's taking his time responding that's because he's not interested like and we live in a world now where everybody has their phone at close um you know close by like even if because i know in some professions you're not allowed your phone on you which is which is fair enough but i think if a guy knows that he's going to be unavailable and he's interested he will tell you um i'm not going to be available but and he will make concrete plans as to when he will contact you next. He won't just leave you hanging and then come back saying, I'm busy or or my favorite or my phone was broken. Bullshit. Plus, plus we always say, it, you know, it's, sooner rather than later, try to do the Skype meeting or, or yeah. you know, some kind of FaceTime meeting so that you're actually having face-to-face interaction and you don't have to spend so much time texting. Because texting does just suck up your evening if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah 100%. Yeah. Texting is one of those things where my standards are actually very low just because I'm also a bad texter. And I generally will only text someone if to like make plans or, you know, for like something like it has to have a specific purpose. I don't really like to just like text back and forth. And I really dislike guys who like, what are you, why do you have so much free time? Like where you're just texting back and forth for like all day. Right. So if a guy takes up to 24 hours to respond, I don't really mind just because I kind of do that too. Um, you know, if you're like busy or if you work or, you know, you're sleeping or so on, but yeah, more than 24 hours, it's like really like, have you gone an entire, has anyone ever gone an entire day without checking their phone? I have times where I've unplugged, but that's usually like 
deliberate and I tell people. Yeah, I'll tell people in advance if I'm doing a social media detox. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's completely different to just not responding. Yeah, if a guy doesn't text me for like two weeks and then text me back like weeks later, I'm just thinking, yeah, he probably was like seeing another girl and it didn't work out and he's just like coming back to see his old prospects. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When you're getting to know each other, it's not like you expect to be number one right away, but you do expect yeah. like yeah. the common courtesy for people not to waste your time. That's exactly it. Like I don't, ex- when I've just met a guy, I don't expect to be his number one, but also if he's stringing me along for like days at a time, that's just kind of, especially because when I text, I have a purpose. I'm like, let's make plans. And if he doesn't respond to that for like a day or two, then it's like, okay, clearly he doesn't want to make plans with me. That's that's the reason why I say, like, responses should be timely. I don't put a number on it, like, he has to respond within two hours or three hours. I think it depends on the individual schedule, but it it should feel timely. Like, it shouldn't feel like the conversation is stilted because he's taking so long to respond. And I think anything yeah. within 24 hours, at least when you're first getting to know each other, is is reasonable i think when i was online dating i would say i think i even gave him maybe 48 hours i was being in a generous pick me spirit um and i would say if he hasn't responded (laughs) in 48 hours he's blocked i don't know like blocked yeah uh, i don't know if i'd say me personally i would just not respond to them and then if they message me weeks later asking for a booty call then blocked yeah oh i just straight up blocked like i just yeah Nice. So on the other hand, have you guys ever gotten text vomiters, guys that just like legit fill up your inbox with bullshit? Or or they 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 only write a few words per text and then it's like bing 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 bing. That is also annoying. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, like send me one message. I hate the like, hey, what's up? How's it going? What are you doing? Emoji. Like as a separate as like separate messages that oh my god that just drives my cortisol through the roof there's actually an app that you can create paragraphs and and it'll send a text message and some guy used like some guy met offline who i immediately blocked because he just kept my phone going off constantly would literally write paragraphs that would be sent to me in text form i was like and i felt bad because i felt like he was trying to impress me but and I don't know how to say this, but it came across like maybe he was on the spectrum, like really, really smart guy, went to like an Ivy League school. But the way he was interacting with me was so forced and unnatural that I was like, is this working on any woman ever? <laughs> so can we also talk about the, the fuck boy emojis? Across my time, I've always seen like, especially when the guys are fuck boy, they always tend to use the same emoji. So you know, one I've identified is the excessive use of the winky face or the the the, the cheeky looking face. Not it's not really cheeky, but like the um how do I describe it? It's like the sideways looking one. Yes, that's it. Yes. Um and if he uses LOL after saying something that is sexually suggestive, these are probably all signs he's a fuckboy. Yeah, the smirk sign. The smirk that's it, the smirk the guy, one. Yeah, guys who smirk a lot. <laughs> Let me let me pull over because there's men who I've been I've done like a Skype date with and didn't go further because of like their smirky snarky attitude and I was like who is this for I don't know if they're just naturally like that or or if it's like pickup artistry right I think the smirky emojis is indicative of them trying to create that distance between you and them where it makes them seem more high value than they actually 
See, smirking or just in generally like a contemptuous facial expression to me is a red flag for narcissists. And I know that might sound like crazy to say or like way too much of a blanket generalization. But I, in my personal experience, at least like the guys who do that, like haughty, like um, narcissistic or that sort of haughty uh, smirk, like they think they're so much better than you and so on or whatever they're usually like either covert or overt uh, narcissists and I don't (laughs) fuck with that. No, it's a red flag. Yeah. So the, the emojis, yeah, either it's a smirky contemptuous thing or it's them taking the conversation too sexual too soon. So that smirk almost has a dual bad meaning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Suggestive smirk. And that's another thing as well to to vet for when you're having the general conversations. Is he showing a genuine interest in in getting to know you? Um, is he asking lots of questions, for example? Um, and, you know, signs to watch out for. Is is he saying too much too soon? Um, there, This is the concept is um, it's called future faking. And it's basically when, um, you know, someone promises something in the future to get what they want in the present. The reason why, you know, and I suppose, I mean, the difference between somebody who future fakes and, you know, somebody who says, um, I'll do something in six months time and actually delivers is that people who future fake, they tend to do it because it gets them rewards in the present so say for example you meet a guy and he says i really want us to be to have a serious relationship with you i really see myself being with you um and then you know like say for example you then um um you sleep together for example and then he realizes that actually you know you're not the one for me now people do have the right to change their mind but this is also why i don't recommend women essentially going to men you know saying um you know i need to wait six months before i have sex because there are some men that will put on an act for that length of time to get exactly what they want and then disappear um so future faking is something that you have to watch out for and i think a tell that's that a guy is not being genuine is is he saying stuff that just sounds i guess almost too sweet there's um, you know, so like, is he, is he over complimenting you almost like a guy can't possibly know your character within the first few conversations. Um, any compliment that he's directing your way, it should be based on information he already has. Um, and if it's, if he's saying stuff that isn't, you know, that you haven't revealed to him or, or or stuff that is a bit too flowery, he's probably trying to love bomb you and future fake you. So that's a red flag. Yeah, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Like, if he's talking about getting married, if, he, if he's getting talking about wanting to get married and having babies and stuff like yeah. that, and it's only been two weeks, it's like, ugh. <laughs> I had a guy once say, I love you the first time we fucked, and I was just like, mmm... Yeah, like in the middle of sex. And I was just like, mm, no, mm-mm, it didn't sit right with me. <laughs> because it's like much as people rag on FDS for our vetting strategies, a high value man will also be doing the same. He will also be vetting in his own way to make sure that he knows what he's getting into and what he's getting into is what he actually wants. And, and, and that he gets into a relationship where he's able to be 
um, like his authentic self and to bring his best self as well. So he's also vetting. So if somebody is like love bombing and, you know, future faking, that is a very good sign that they're low value and insincere because a high value man wouldn't do that. Even if like, um, cause I know many like high value men, my brother-in-law's one, he, um, like from the debt, I mean, they set up my sister's wedding, um, that the day, um, his best man was his best friend. And his best man was saying how, um, I think a couple days after he saw my sister and they met for the first time, he was like, that's the woman I'm going to marry. But he didn't then rush back to my sister and then start talking about marriage and kids straight away. He might have had that thought initially, but then he continued to vet for several years until he finally proposed and said, yes, you're going to be my wife. So that's the difference between the two. Yeah, exactly. That's actually so true. And when you hear stories of um, men and women who are happily married, a lot of the times the guy will say, like, I knew within the first minute of talking to her that she'd be my wife one day. But the thing is, is like, if he if he's not a total fucking idiot, he's not going to just blurt that out to you and be like, I want to marry you. Like, that's just creepy. Like, that's just too much too soon. Right. Um, a good a good man, a decent man with good people skills will know to build attraction over time. Exactly. And he's going to know that if he says that, he'll scare you away. So, and he doesn't want to do that. So he's also vetting in his own way. So, um, you know, vetting is not something that is just exclusive to FDS queens. It's something high value men are doing as well in their own way. Yeah. Cause only low value men have like no standards and don't vet. Right. Good exactly, because like, low-value men too. just want whatever they can get. That's why they have no vetting process. Like, they want to fuck anything. They want to use anything that um, that comes their way. They're not looking for... We'll let them use them. <laughs> we'll let them use them. They're not looking for a genuine relationship, which is why they find the concept of vetting so bizarre, because, you know, they're probably thinking, well, if I was to vet, I wouldn't get anything. So they just don't. Also, with the conversation as well... I think the com- the way a man can, I mean, for me anyway, the f- a man has to be able to hold a decent conversation because I'm not out here looking to get bored in my relationships. He needs to be able to hold a conversation about different topics and he needs to be able to, if you don't agree on something, he needs to be able to convey that respectfully. I don't want somebody who's just going to change their opinion to my own. That's happened to me before, um, where they just agree with everything I say. That's dead as hell and it's insincere. But I also don't want (laughs) a contrarian or somebody who just likes to argue for the sake of it. So how he he carries himself in day-to-day conversation is massively important. Does he respect your point of view? Does he does he listen to what you're saying? Like, I mean, reading or hearing you is not the same as listening to you. And being able to vet a man for good listening skills is so, so important because if you're in a relationship with a man who doesn't, who only hears you and not listens to you, you're gonna be in for an extremely bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Social skills with men are highly underdeveloped skills in general. Soft skills are one of those things that you learn through experience, but also hopefully, I mean, if you had, if you had a good home life and great parents, they they hopefully would have taught you a lot of these things, but also as you grow older, you start to learn them and you can just really tell the guys that put in the work, right. In the way that they, they, uh, approach conversations, right. 
you know, you seek to understand rather than seek to dominate or, you know, or just be charming, like make the actual conversation fun. Cause I don't even actually, I'm not, I'm not a person that dislikes men that have opinions about things, but like, I don't want to be ranted at for like 30 minutes. Cause a lot of men, when they say I'm opinionated, they think they just are not charming. I just like to talk for an hour uninterrupted. And I like when a woman claps like a seal at everything. I exactly. Say. Exactly. And that, creates an antagonistic relationship because I'm a clapbacker, right? That's my own that's my own work that I had to do was to learn how to walk the fuck away <laughs> from those situations because you know my initial instinct is like I'm gonna fucking destroy this guy. <laughs> like because and that's not a healthy <laughs> dynamic to create in your relationships. But I got you know I just get so sick of men and their quote unquote opinions. I always like to end up challenging them. Or like I do it with like a super dry sense of sarcasm or a way of like asking probing questions that makes them short circuit a little bit. No, that's what I do. I I go I go with the Socratic method like <laughs> oh my, I could talk about I have so many stories that are related to this, but one in for example, um I was talking to a guy, we were talking about country music and he um He's the sort of person who's like, oh, cancel culture has gone too far or whatever. Anyways, we talk about, like, um, I put on, like, the Dixie Chicks, right? And I start talking about, um, you know how Dixie Chicks got, like, canceled? And, like, I think it was, like, 2006 or something when she said, when she criticized George Bush and, like, all the conservative radio stations, like, banned them and stuff. And so I was, like, asking questions about that. And, like, he said something, oh, well, like, she betrayed her her values or something. And just, like, asking questions that, and just watching them turn themselves into turn themselves into knots trying to explain why that's different from like liberal cancel culture and so on and so yeah i just get a sort of sadistic pleasure watching guys you know do the mental gymnastics of trying to justify why their stupid opinion is correct being able to disagree and have opinions that are you know masterfully discussed and argued but not antagonistic and alienating is a skill yeah, right. Absolutely. To say that I don't want to be with a guy that has opinions on anything. I think I would be bored if I was with a guy that like never had an opinion on anything. Right. That was more or less go. Like some guys are very go with the flow, and I, and those guys can be charming in other ways too. So I'm not discounting them. But you know, if you're the other type, or you're like your person that's very plugged in, very involved, uh, they have to master the skill of artfully negotiating or artfully and charmingly discussing a tar- a topic so that yeah, you know, you can have a pleasant dating experience with them and it doesn't always put you on the defensive yeah exactly we were talking before this about how i want to record an episode where we where we talk about vetting a guy and this is going to be probably like a whole separate episode where you want to know if a guy has a healthy relationship with conflict Mm. you know you don't want a guy who totally avoids all conflict because if the guy you know, if he's a, um, a total doormat and just rolls over and agrees with everything, first of all, he's probably lying. Like I've seen this a lot with guys and porn, for example, like they'll say that they don't watch porn and they don't agree with porn, but they'll just watch it behind your back and lie to you about it because they don't want you to get mad at them. So guys that are very conflict avoidant like that can be just as toxic as guys who are excessively contrarian. And I also don't like guys who are super contrarian either because they often turn out to be sort of like abusive actually will just like criticize you and everything you do nothing you do is ever good enough every opinion you have is wrong you try you can't even get a word in edgewise without him like making fun of you or whatever so those guys are also like too much conflict you want someone who's in the middle you know a balanced person who you know can respectfully disagree with you and like have a conversation with you about that 
in like a in, and also have a good sense of humor about it right because sometimes you're going to disagree on things and it's not going to be a deal breaker if it's like if it's not a big deal right if it's something minor you just let the little things slide and if you just have a good sense of humor about it it's like you know you'll you'll both just be happier that way yeah exactly um the final point i would like to make also is to trust your intuition um and this is something that again uh women aren't really conditioned to actually listen to because we are told we're overreacting or it's not that big a deal or or we downplay you know the fact that our intuition is trying to tell us that something about this guy is off I mean, I know from exper—I mean, from my experience, like my most damaging relationships, I always knew that even though they were saying and doing the right things, at least in the beginning, that something just felt off with them, like really, really off. And I ignored those signs and it ended up being really bad. Um, so, and you don't, you don't need a reason or you don't need a legal case as some point to cut someone off if somebody is making you feel uneasy that is reason enough if you're not feeling it that is reason enough if you don't want to talk to them anymore that is reason enough i feel like women feel like i feel like some women think they need almost like a legal argument to end a relationship he has to cheat on me or he has to do something really egregious and it doesn't have to be that way if you're not feeling it in any way shape or form you can cut it off and you should cut it off as well. Because if you're feeling uneasy in the beginning, those feelings don't go away. Yeah. And you'll often find that you were right to feel that way, but it'll be months and years down the road and you would have encountered a lot of pain along the way. That reminds me of um, the dumb fox credo. If you've read the Why Men Love Bitches book, she talks about like just trusting your instincts as a woman and how powerful that is because it's basically the idea that like an animal in nature doesn't really second guess itself, right? Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they if they feel like there's a predator nearby, they fucking run. <laughs> there's no such thing as a vibe check, really, right? I mean, or they <laughs> just attack. It doesn't matter if that the predator in quotation marks is a baby or an old man who's incapable of hurting them. They just attack them or run away. They don't just sit there with the room on fire, rationalizing to themselves like this is fine. <laughs> this is fine (laughs) i used to be the sort of person before fds where i thought that like i had to have like a good reason to break up with someone like if you're in a relationship with someone yeah you know they have to like either cheat on you or like abuse you or do something really bad in order to justify you breaking up with them like you can't just break up with them just because you don't like them or you know i used to think that you can't just break up with someone just because you don't enjoy spending time with them, as stupid as that sounds. But I would have entire relations with people where I don't even enjoy spending time with them. And I'm like, oh, well, he's not a bad guy. Like, you know, so like, don't do that. Like, if you're not enjoying this time you're spending with them, cut them off. There's no shame in that. You're not a bad person for doing that. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to be around a man for a second that doesn't vibe with you. If, I, if we had one vetting strategy to tie the rest of these together is <laughs> like, you don't have to be unhappy for a second. There's so much <laughs> of our culture that just pressures women to put up with like discomfort to outright abuse, you know, that like, we're just taking back this idea that like, no, we don't have to do any of this shit. This is all a, like free emotional labor that society expects of women that nine times out of 10 doesn't particularly benefit or pay off. Your instincts are probably right. 
you know, the questions you're asking and the things that you want to know, you know, if people try to accuse you of being shallow, they're probably wrong, right? They're probably, they, they serve a purpose in bringing you closer to the type of guy that you want. So if, if, yeah, if, if there's anything to be said about our vetting strategies is trust your instincts. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I do want to add some, some women have brought up that because of trauma or because of, you know, bad experiences in the past, sometimes their instincts are not, uh, as tuned as they should be. Either they will give too many chances to people who don't deserve those chances and they aren't capable of like sensing danger or they'll be, they'll overcorrect and become like, if he breathes wrong, he's abusive or something like that, you know? And so if you're the sort of person where, because of, you know, uh, maybe you had a rough childhood or, you know, had a, a history of, abuse in past relationships and so on, like, please, please go to therapy, find a qualified trauma specialist. Uh, if it's childhood therapy, someone who specializes in childhood trauma, um, to work on that so that you can develop and build those instincts and fine tune those instincts. Cause the, the thing is those instincts were already, were always there underneath. You just need help bringing them to the service and fine tuning them in practice. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, just like, yeah, just, just to tie everything off as well this i found that since i've been practicing fds um i guess principles so things like you know looking for red flags you know cutting them off at the first sign of red flag it gets easier um and you know once it becomes easier dating becomes more enjoyable and a lot less intimidating and you end up meeting a better quality men as well um, because your filter is so on point that you get quicker at filtering out the guys who you know are low value, who are not for you. Um, so then you're more likely to encounter guys who you can actually, um, you know, have potentially a long lasting relationship with that is mutually beneficial. Yeah. And this is counterintuitive to what a lot of the other dating advice that's out there, because so much of it's about like creating connections and all this kind of stuff. It's always like, quote unquote, communicate and creating connections with guys and trying to be understanding. And the truth of the matter is, is the more you do that, the more you lose space in your life for the right guy. And the more that you are going to make yourself unhappy. And those, those little if I had like, if I could send a message to my like younger self is that those emotional labors and those little indignities add up and they start to like really, really accumulate in a way that's unhealthy if you don't get really, really good with your cutoff game. So it is almost better to be ruthless and protect your emotional and mental health than it is to make the error the other way. Because the truth of the matter is, is first of all, there's a ton of money on the planet, but also every moment you spend uncomfortable is a moment you could have spent happy with a better dude or at least happy with yourself right and so you're more likely to meet the guy that's actually for you if you don't waste so much time trying to build connections with men that are not and also uh recovering from bad connections right because even if you have a bad connection sometimes that could take years to get over so it's so much better to just preserve your energy so that you are in the right mental physical emotional headspace to invite a good man into your life yeah it's better to prevent a trauma from happening in the first place than it is to let the trauma happen and then have to deal with that after the fact like i i see that all the time like people saying oh like if you implement all these vetting strategies then you could miss out on the opportunity of dating a really great guy and it's like 
so what? Like, say I turned down a guy and he actually deep down was like a really good guy all along. Like, I'm sure he's going to go along and make another woman very happy. That's not the end of the world. Like, that's the that's the worst case scenario is like just not having a relationship, which is, you know, if you're single and you're happy with yourself, that shouldn't negatively impact your life at all. But the worst case scenario is if you do give a chance to a guy who you think might be great, he could turn out to be like abusive or, you know, just a waste of time and just like yeah. waste your energy yeah. and, and uh, keep you from meeting a guy who you actually are fit for. So Or building your business or going back to school or any type of investment that you'd make in yourself. Yeah. And, and, and even if he is the nicest guy on the planet, if if you're not feeling it, he's not the nicest guy for you. And that is the most important thing. That's not to say that he is automatically low value he's just not for you he can make another woman happy like you yeah that also counts for something like someone can be a high value man and just not for you right just because they're not compatible with you doesn't make them a bad person but if they're a bad person they're definitely not compatible with you (laughs) just because they're nice that doesn't mean that they're owed i mean i don't i don't i don't even like the word nice or compassionate have empathy compassionate yeah nice is just bland and dead and it should be it's like the baseline for human behavior and it doesn't really say anything about their character if a guy is is nice yeah i mean narcissists can be nice right abusers can be nice right and and whenever you hear people talking about like why they didn't leave someone who was really toxic they're like oh but they were nice sometimes like between the times where they beat me they were really nice but you got to realize the niceness is part of the abuse a lot of people don't realize is that the niceness is part of the manipulation it's part of the control and for abusive or narcissistic people it's part of their abusive or narcissistic persona they put on a nice front for the public and then behind closed doors they treat their victim like shit and that just makes things worse for the victim because they see how they're being so nice to everyone else and they think oh like they're being mean to me there must be something wrong with me it also makes it harder for them to get support because other people think that the narcissist is a nice person right so i think we just really need to let go of the oh but they're a really nice person because you don't really know what that person's like behind closed doors like niceness is a mask basically yeah so in conclusion these are some things to look out for when you're meeting a new guy you know trust your gut trust your instincts work on yourself and have fun this summer yeah figure out what he does for a living (laughs) and if you have any of your own tips feel free to drop them in the comments we'd love to read them all right so that's our show please check out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com as well as our twitter at femdatstrat and our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, where you can get some bonus content. Uh, we're going to start doing weekly bonus content on Friday. So expect that. Thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. Please submit a roast to scrote if you signed up for one of our tiers. Uh, submit a roast to scrote or a story or anything you want to share, and we'll read it aloud here on our podcast. Thank you for listening, Queens, and for all you self employed street pharmacists. Die mad. See you next week.